Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word together, we ask for your blessing over our time, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and our minds, help us to learn more about praying, encourage us to put into practice the things that we learn, that we might draw closer to you and serve you more faithfully. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please be seated? Helen Rosevere was a physician from Northern Ireland. She served as a medical missionary in Zaire. This is an account that she wrote about something that happened, and it was surrounding they had had a newborn little girl and they needed a water bottle to keep her warm. The following noon, as I did most days, I went to have prayers with many of the orphanage children who gathered together with me. I gave the youngsters various suggestions about things to pray. I told them about the tiny baby. I explained our problem about keeping the baby warm enough, mentioning the hot water bottle. The baby could so easily die if it got chilled. I also told them about the two-year-old sister crying because her mother had died. During the prayer time, one 10-year-old girl, Ruth, prayed with the usual blunt consciousness of African children. Please, God, she prayed, send us a water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow, God. The baby will be dead. So please send it this afternoon. I gasped inwardly at the audacity of the prayer. And then she added, and while you're about it, would you please send a dolly for the little girl so she'll know that you really love her? As often with children's prayers, I was put on the spot. Could I honestly say amen to that? I just did not believe that God could do this. Oh, I, yes, I know he can do anything. The Bible says so. But there are limits, aren't there? The only way God could answer this particular prayer would be by sending a parcel from the homeland. I'd been in Africa for almost four years at that time. I had never received a parcel from home. Anyway, if anyone did send a parcel, who would put a hot water bottle in it? I lived on the equator. Well, halfway through the afternoon, while I was teaching in the nurse's training school, a message was sent that a car was at my front door. By the time I reached home, the car had gone, but there on the veranda was a 22-pound parcel. I felt tears pricking my eyes. I could not open the parcel alone, so I sent for the orphanage children. Together, we pulled off the string, carefully undoing each knot. We folded the paper, taking care not to tear it unduly. Excitement was mounting. Some 30 or 40 pairs of eyes were focused on the large cardboard box. From the top, I lifted out brightly covered, colored, knitted jerseys. Eyes sparkled as I gave them out. Then there were little knitted bandages with, for the leprosy patients. Children began to look a little bored after a while. Next came a box of raisins. That would make a nice batch of buns for the weekend. As I put my hand in again, I felt, could it really be? I grasped and I pulled it out. Yes, a brand new rubber hot water bottle. I cried. I had not even asked God to send it. I had truly not believed he could. 
prayer. It's a funny thing. Something that seems so simple, and yet we've probably all struggled with it. I know I've experienced some of her um, hesitancy. You know, can I really pray for that? Can God really do that? Well, I mean, I know he can, but I don't think he will, so should I even pray? And yet you come across accounts of things like that hot water bottle where God does this incredible thing and he can do it in every single life. And as we finish up this series on prayer, what I want to talk about today are the things that we can pray about. So we have covered a lot in prayer over these last four weeks. We have talked about starting with our Father, that prayer, prayer is relational. That's its primary thing. And we've worked through humility. We've worked through faith. We've talked about all the different things about being honest with God as we're doing it. We've talked about telling God about God. Today, I just want to talk about what can we pray about. If you would, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2 in your pew Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And you will find that on page 16... 1690, page 1690, 1 Timothy chapter 2. This was our epistle reading. So in most of Paul's letters, if not all of them, he starts out by giving some kind of theology, He walks you through the why we're doing things. And he often then moves into what does that look like? There's some practice that comes afterwards. He does that in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He provides some of that theological background. But then in chapter 2, he jumps right into some of the practical. And this is how he starts it. I urge then, first of all, now, it's significant that whatever he's about to say, of all of the things that he's going to say, this is what he wants to start with. This is the foundation. First of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Paul wants to set a foundation of prayer for this new church and this new pastor right off the bat, because it is that significant. And this comes from the guy who was planting churches left and right, who was writing letters that would become our scripture. Prayer. And here's his list. Petitions, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving. Now, I want to take the first three, and I want you to picture a Venn diagram. All right, so take your three circles Put in one circle petition, one circle prayer, one circle intercession, and then overlap them in the middle. Here's the point. These three words can be used synonymously. However, they also have 
some of their own unique definition. Right? Here's the breadth of what they cover. If you were to break down the words, they would cover all of these things. Paul wants you to pray for yourself about very immediate needs that you have. Paul wants you to pray generally for just anything, large groups of people, for your country. Paul also wants us to pray, excuse me, <clears throat> All right. I was going to cough. I didn't really want to cough on you, so I was just holding it back for a second. Paul also wants you to pray for those things that you are desperate for or that other people are desperate for. All right. Here's the point. This thing covers everything from praying for ourselves and praying for others, praying for very specific things like a hot water bottle, to praying for very generic things, praying for things that we are desperately in need for, and praying for things that, well, we'd love for them to happen. If they don't, we'll figure out something else. You can pray for anything. How many of you, please don't raise your hand, how many of you struggle to pray for yourself? I can't tell you the number of people that have told me they struggle to pray for themselves. Let go of that. The scripture tells you to pray for yourself. We need it. We need the power of God in our life to do things we could never do on our own. So recently, as we were driving home, my daughter was driving the van, and to get to our house, you have to go up a hill. And about halfway up that hill, we had to come to a stop because there was a giant turkey about 20 feet from our car in the middle of the road. And this turkey had its feathers up, and it looked right at the van and charged. This turkey just came straight toward our van, and my poor daughter is like, ah! And I'm like, just, just stay there. Keep on the brake. Here's this turkey. And it gets to our van, and we lose sight of it because of the front of the van. The next thing you know, it comes around the side, and it pecks at the tires. And then it goes to the back, and it pecks at that tire. And I'm like, all right, get ready to go. And then it moves forward, and it pecks at the other tire. I'm like, when it gets to the back tire again, just go, hurry. And it goes, pecks at the tire, and we take off. Well, we came back down the hill the next day, and that turkey was at the bottom of the hill, and it went for our van again. <laughs> I'm honestly not sure what that turkey thought it was going to accomplish, but it was never going to take out our van. Like it, just, it couldn't peck through the tires, it couldn't do anything, but it really felt like it needed to take on our van. And this is what I thought. When you and I try and take on life, on our own, it is a little bit like that turkey trying to take out our van. How many things in this life can you not control? I mean, you could start a list and just keep writing. Now, it doesn't mean, I mean, everybody in here, there's amazing things we can do 
You're all intelligent people, but there's so many things in life we cannot control. God wants us to pray about those things. God wants us to seek him. And you don't need to be nervous about, well, can I really pray about that or not? You, you pray about whatever you want to pray about. Because you know what? If God doesn't want to answer that prayer, he won't. But don't start by making the choice for him by not even praying about it. So the breadth of prayer is this. You can pray about anything. Now, I want to talk briefly about a couple of different specific topics you see in Scripture. These are all things that each of us can pray. Number one is repentance. We're going to go to the book of Daniel. And I will give you that page number here. I meant to write all these down and I did not. Daniel chapter 9, page 1278. One important topic of prayer is repentance. Daniel chapter 9, it's on page 1278. We're going to start in verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Notice how he starts. He tells God about God. That really is an important part of our praying as we talked about last week. If you missed that, that sermon is online. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. That's some significant, and he gets more and more specific in his confession. So we do a general confession every Sunday, which is important. But it is also important for us to confess specifically those things that we have done wrong, to give those over to God. And he says in here, not only have we done wrong, but we've turned from your commands. And then even more specifically, we did not listen to the prophets. The prophets talked to the kings and told them what we were to do. We didn't listen to them either. He is confessing his sins, but repentance is more than just confession. It's turning. So repentance is something like this. I am walking a particular direction. I am, let's just say, I am getting lost in anger. I keep blowing up at people, and that anger is controlling me, and I'm going that direction. Repentance is going, I do not want to be controlled by this anger. So, Lord, I have been angry. I have yelled at people when I shouldn't have yelled at people. They didn't do anything wrong. This is in me. I want to do this differently. And it's turning and making a new path. 
and saying, now I'm going to treat people with patience by your power, Lord. And I'm going to do the things necessary. So back here, some of that work is going to be, why am I getting so angry? What's going on inside of me that this is happening? So that I can make that shift and begin to walk differently in a new direction. That's repentance. That is one of our key topics of prayer is repentance. But it really should make a difference. My 11-year-old son came up with a nice April Fool's for my 9-year-old son. We did it yesterday. They were playing on their iPads, and I went and got a letter, uh, just something out of the mail, and I opened up, and I sat down on the couch, and I went, boys, do you guys know what the lottery is? You're not going to believe this. We won the lottery. We won $80 million. Do you know what we could do with this? How our lives can change? Now, my 11-year-old knows what's going on. My 9-year-old doesn't. My 9-year-old is sitting on his iPad, and he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, it's $80 million. Do you not get this? Like, we can, we can buy a vacation home in Colorado. We can pay off our house. We can go on vacation anywhere we want to. We can do, wow, that's a lot of money. Still going on his iPad. I mean, just like, I don't know how much money it would have taken, but Minecraft was really important at that point. And then partway through, I pull out, all right, here's what the company has given us. And my son had written out this little note that said, April Fool's. And so he showed it to my other son, and he's like, oh, that wasn't real, and that was it. But there are two images there that help us understand repentance. One of them is my son on his iPad. And I think that is how I have treated repentance at different times in my life. I'm saying, God, I'm sorry. I want to go another direction. I did this wrong but I'm not even looking up for my iPad, really. My heart is not actually in that. I'm just, I'm saying the words and I'm moving on, but I'm going to keep walking the same direction I was walking before. But the other is, I mean, for a moment, can you imagine how dramatically different your life would be if somebody gave you $80 million? Like how, how, how many changes would take place in your life? It would actually change your life. You would go a different direction from what you're going right now. That's what repentance is. It's meant to be a change. Number two, a second topic. Turn to the book of Philippians. You will find that in the New Testament. Philippians, boy, it's like a whole page long. Philippians chapter 1, page 1671. Philippians chapter 1. Here's a second topic of prayer. Thanksgiving. We're going to start in verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. 
I thank my God every time I remember you. That is so normal for Paul's prayers. You'll find it in multiple epistles. There's always thanksgiving involved when Paul is praying for people. If you jump over to the end of Philippians, in chapter 4, chapter 4 and verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There is a pattern in Paul's praying and his talking about prayer that always involves thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is so significant, and even our world is figuring out just how important Thanksgiving is. There are multiple studies being done by places like Harvard Medical, UC Davis, on the power of gratitude and thanksgiving. And part of what Thanksgiving does is it gives us perspective and hope even amidst the worst things going on in life. It can create humility in us because it constantly reminds us of the things that others have been doing for us, the way God has blessed us. We really need thanksgiving. When I think of confession and thanksgiving, in combination, here's what I feel like they do. When we repent, it puts us going the right direction. When we practice thanksgiving, it helps us actually go that direction, no matter what's going on in our life. And we need that. I picture thanksgiving a little bit like teaching my youngest son to walk. When he first started walking, he would lift his hands up above his head. And of course, with babies, like their head is really big compared to their arms. And so like only a little portion of their arms actually sticks up above their head. But if you would take your fingers and you'd let him grab both of them, you could walk him around anywhere. I mean, he would just walk and walk and walk. But at some point, he's got to learn to walk on his own. And so when you would remove one of them, he would just stop. Like, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And you'd try to move him along, and he would start to move, but he would kind of wobble. And sometimes he'd even, like, twist a little bit and fall down. Like, it's not that much different. He could do this, but he, he needed both hands. And that, that image is a little bit how Thanksgiving works. It's us reaching up to God and holding his hands. And it helps us move. It helps us go through whatever it is we're going through in life. We really need regular, daily thanksgiving in our lives. We can pray about anything. And let me just say, if you take anything at all from this entire series on prayer, just take these two things. Talk to your father and share what's on your heart. However, you can pray about anything. Two things we should regularly pray are repentance and thanksgiving.
The story is not done from Helen. She continues saying, Ruth was in the front row of the children. Ruth is the 10-year-old that prayed. And she rushed forward crying out, If God has sent the bottle, he must have sent the dolly too. Rummaging down to the bottom of the box, she pulled out the small, beautifully dressed dolly. Her eyes shone. She had never doubted. Looking up at me, she asked, Can I go over with you and give this dolly to the little girl so that she'll know that Jesus really loves her? Don't be afraid to ask your father for anything. Don't be afraid to trust him with whatever he wants to do with your prayers. His love is so great and it will take you wherever he wants you to go. But we have to seek him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that we can come to you. Thank you that there really isn't anything off limits. But just as a child might come to a parent, we can come to you. Lord, help us to be more faithful, more diligent in daily coming to our Father. And meet us there, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.